I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm going to throw it over first of all to Jake, who's going to take us through the rundown from this week's results, and then we'll get into our main topics. Yeah, we just going through the results, uh, starting on Friday night, West Brom uh, beat Birmingham 3-2. They're going into Saturday, Wigan and Brentford drew 0-0. Aston Villa beat Blackburn 2-1. Derby ran out convincing winners against Rotherham 6-1. Ipswich lost at home to Hull 2-0. Leeds came from behind to beat Millwall 3-2 to move back into the top two. Reading beat playoff hopefuls Preston in a game I'm sure we'll come on to a little bit later. Um, Sheffield United dropping points, losing 3-2 against Bristol City, which puts them back into playoff contention. Stoke and Sheffield Wednesday played out a 0-0 draw as Stoke failed to score a goal yet again. Nottingham Forest beat Swansea 2-1. QPR lost 2-1 to Bolton, uh, which resulted in Steve McLaren losing his job, and we'll come on to later as well. And then Norwich winning 1-0 away to Middlesbrough in what was quite a big win, uh, and saw Middlesbrough fall out of those playoff positions finally. So, uh, guys, what do you think of those games? Any standout results? Any any standout performers? Well, you know what? For me, I've actually written six games down what could have been win of the week, all for different reasons. Um, You could obviously... In terms of goals, look at Derby County putting six past Rotherham. I know it wasn't a surprise in terms of the result, but the standout result for me, I'm, I'm sure you guys might agree, like I say, that there's plenty to choose from, but it's got to be Bristol City away to Sheffield United, don't you think? Yeah, I completely agree with you there. That uh, was one of the, the three that I had wrote down. I've not gone for as many as you for six. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, the, sort of the the clips of Vyman's goals as well, one of the better hat-tricks that you'll see all season. Um, Didn't expect them to get maybe a point from the game, a push, um, with how Sheffield United have been at at home, especially this season and the majority of last as well. So, yeah, massive surprise. One game that I don't really want to talk about, which was win of the week for me, but I'm going to have to, is the Reading win against us. I had that written down as well, James, yeah. Yeah, Reading just didn't let us start playing. We looked like the team that were sort of playing in those first 10 games as, as a season, which found us bottom of the table and really disappointing considering we'd won six away on the bounce and we're unbeaten in 12 going into that. And, you know, looking at the table now, win would have taken us into the playoffs, I think to fifth, um, maybe six on goal difference, depending on sort of score wise that we would have won by. So bitterly disappointed with that. But one game that I thought was sort of particularly one of the weekend. And I know you guys, sort of keep think they uh all slip up but i think you know now i think they're definitely fancy to to probably win the league was norwich going to Middlesbrough, yeah, yeah. which has been a, a difficult place for teams to go this season 
getting the one nil win and you know moving five points clear at the top especially with Sheffield United dropping points as well it's really opened up a gap now of I believe seven points between them and third place so I really can't see how they're going to let that slip in the last sort of handful of games and you know that result could be you know a, a real sort of decisive victory between now and the end of the season if they are to go on and get promoted and win the league one game I'm just going to mention, actually, because it probably went unnoticed a little bit, was actually Bolton's away win at QPR, winning 2-1, especially with, obviously, the travesties that they're in at the minute. To go away and get any points, actually, I thought was a decent result. So um, you probably agree with me there, but I just, like I say, it probably a result that you wouldn't normally pick out because who's looking at? you know, QPR versus Bolton at the minute in terms of everyone's looking at playoffs and, and promotion, aren't they? So uh, that one, I thought I'd, you know, bring it to the table as well. I think, yeah, I, I think, I think we're, we're missing out on Leeds there. I think that their win was, was very, very impressive considering they went down not once but twice in the game. Um, Millwall have been somewhat, you know, a Jekyll and Hyde team this year. Sometimes they play really well and sometimes, you know, they're... they're look like one of the worst teams in the division and, and it they turned up at Ellen Road and, and gave them a proper fight and I thought to come back from twice going behind I think it is really impressive uh, especially at this point in the season because Leeds have dropped a lot of silly points at home and, and it would have been easy for the players to sort of you know give in and, and after the, especially after the, the second Millwall goal but they really fought and I think you know I said a couple of weeks ago that you know, it wasn't gonna. It wasn't gonna remain those top two teams in the play in the top two. It, there were gonna be changes again. There's probably gonna be yeah. even more changes to come. And and Leeds have, have taken advantage of of a somewhat surprising Sheffield United defeat that's on concede three to Bristol City. So um, yeah, I thought Leeds deserve a lot of credit. And and you know, going into those final six games, they'll be full of confidence. And and you know, after Norwich are many people's favourites to go up now. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, in terms of then sort of players that stood out for you, I'll go to you first, Louis. Are there any in particular that stood out for you? I know I've got sort of two especially that, you know, really stood out for me. Are there any that you'd like to highlight? Well, first of all, I don't think you can look past people who score a hat-trick. So obviously this weekend there was a couple. Um, first one being Waghorn um, against Rotherham. I know two of those were penalties. Um, so he's definitely one for me. And then the other you've already mentioned, but for Weinman to score a hat-trick was pretty much unheard of. I think he only scored one goal in about 30 games or something ridiculous prior to this. Um, so for him to actually step up when he was needed, he's probably the the player of the round of games for me, particularly going to a team like, say, you know, at the time were second in the table so he certainly stepped up and, and scored a, a couple of cracking goals uh, I've got a couple more as well which I'll quickly name but Hernandez for Leeds against Millwall fantastic again obviously getting the winner and then I always name him I'm, I'm a fan of the player but Grisicki for me um, I know it was against Ipswich who were doomed and you know already in League One as such but um, he's, he's a decent player and yeah he, he bagged a brace so those four players stood out for me yeah, and the same to you, Jake. Is there any that stood out for you in particular over the weekend? Yeah, I think um, for me, it's got to be Mason Mount at Derby. I think said a few weeks ago that, like Grealish, he's the player that makes Derby tick. And when Grealish came back, we saw, you know, the impact he had on the team. And they're now in the playoffs. And, and Derby, with that win, have moved back into the top six, albeit their position isn't, you know, 
is far from secure considering you know their recent form but the fact that mount is back i think gives them a real advantage going into that running i just think they look a much more dangerous team they create much clearer cut chances uh they control position a lot better uh, and I think he's going to be really refreshed after, you know, being forced out for injury. But I think it's given him time to, to you know, uh, he's, he's played a lot of football for Derby. They, I think they overplayed him, especially with all the cup competitions. So he's now had that rest and he'll come back in fully rejuvenated for the run-in. I think he, he like Grealish, could be the difference in, in who gets those playoff positions because I just think they're a step above what the rest of those teams chasing the playoffs have. Um, you know, Mount and Grealish both have so much technical ability and I don't think any of the other clubs can call upon a player of that quality. So I think, I think he made a difference on Saturday. Yes, it was only Rotherham, but to score six goals against any team in the Championship is impressive and that's going to really give Darby back the momentum that they've lost over the last couple of months. Yeah, I completely agree with the players that you've highlighted there. One that stood out for me um, was in the, the Leeds win. Uh, Pablo Hernandez got the the initial equaliser and then also scored the winner as well. And, you know, he's been absolutely fantastic at Firmo. We'll get on to sort of team of the season a bit later on, but sort of uh, a little spoiler from me, one of the players that I thought thoroughly deserved to get in and, and was omitted from that, uh, you know, fantastic again at the weekend and, you mentioned there the quality that those sort of other clubs have, Jake. And I think, you know, one of the, the guys in the lead squad that, you know, has really stepped up this season and, and been that sort of difference maker for them has been Hernandez. And if they can keep him fit, you know, he's getting on sort of in age now, but if they can keep him fit between now and the end of the season and then, you know, hopefully for them into next season in the Premier League, they'll have a, you know, real player on the hand with, you know, great levels of experience that the younger players around them can sort of learn off and, you know, has has been fantastic for them this season and one that goes a little bit under the radar just with, you know, the other sort of gifted players in the lead side. Um, but moving into our first sort of main topic, obviously QPR went down 2-1 um, against Bolton on Saturday that we touched on earlier, which resulted in Steve McLaren um, sort of earlier this week losing his job. What were your guys' initial thoughts on it? Are there any sort of potential managers that you think will come in and, and do a job straight away? Or would you like to see them sort of go for, you know, maybe not a sort of a, a household name and, and try and get someone in for like a fresh start for them? Uh, to be honest, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. And I, initially it came as a bit of a, of a surprise, uh, McLaren getting the sack. I, I, I didn't see it coming in the fact that I thought it might have been given till the end of the season. Um, but all the same, I know QPR are on a terrible run. Uh, they've not won in five games, losing three of those. Um, I, I actually tipped QPR at the beginning of the seasons as one of the teams to go down. So for them to be sat 17th, they're exceeding my expectations. And I, I, I didn't think McLaren had done two of a bad job, actually. I know they've conceded plenty of goals and they've lost 19 games a season um, and the season didn't start too well I thought if he was going to get sacked it was back in November when they were sat about 20th, 21st in the league and they were on a terrible run of form and then at one point it got to was it January, February time when they were they were almost 9th, 10th in the league and potentially pushing for playoffs. I know that they've fallen off again, but to be sat, like I say, where they are in the league at the minute, I, it did come as a bit of a surprise to me. But, you know, he has left, he's departed the club. So in terms of managers coming in, I know obviously there's it's a lot of talk's been about Shearwood, who I believe's one of the favourites. Uh, Lee Bowyer's appeared one of 
the names this this evening as well. But if I'm brutally honest, having only talked about him about three or four weeks ago, I'd like I'd like to see a, a manager like Darren Moore come in. Um, I think he'd be well suited to QPR. He was, you know, in my eyes, harshly sacked at West Brom. I thought he'd done a good job both in the Premier League and this season. So maybe starting afresh at a team like QPR, who I expect to be, you know, a bottom half team in, in the league this season. I think that give him the summer and, you know, see see what he does next season. Um, I know they're stuck for cash and QPR, like I say, are always probably going to be a, a bottom half table team for this next few years. But I, I, I could really see Darren Moore doing a, a decent job. So I don't know what you think about that, guys. It's a weird one. I'd say he's almost been a victim of his own success because I agree with Louis that they, yeah. they, I thought they'd be struggling at the bottom of the table. I think on deadline day, they brought in quite, towards the end of the uh, summer transfer window, they brought in quite a few good players. Tom Hemed is, I think, is a very good player. Um, and, you know, they, they've got other good players there, like um, Skowen, I think, is a good player. Luongo is very good. Freeman. Um, Rangel, I think, was a good signing. I think I think they've got an okay squad. I, but I think he's definitely been he definitely overachieved for a period. Um, you know, if you'd have said to us back in October, um, after that, you know, when West Brom went there and beat them six 0 I think it was, wasn't it? Um, if you'd have said after that game that QPR would be sacking Steve McLaren um, in April with the team in in seventeenth place, you'd think, wow, if he's gotten that high, why is he getting sacked? You know, so it's I think you know we can sometimes take a little bit of an outsider's view in, on it, and I think. It, this year, this calendar year has been poor. I think he's only won a couple of times in 2019, um, and they have, you know, dropped down the table. But you know, like a st- they've dropped down that table quickly. Kind of reminds me of 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 Newcastle when you know when we had Pardew, we stick on these runs that have seen us plummet, and and everyone would be like, well, why do you want to, you know, sack your manager? He's doing all right. You know, you're tenth in the table. But the thing is, it's 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 horrible to watch you just losing every week, uh, and just because you've had the points on the board already you should be you know you shouldn't just be happy to you know go from overachieving to just maybe meeting where you know finishing where you're where many people think you should finish I think you should have a little bit of ambition and and was he really going to turn it around I'm not sure I think he's shown time time again in his managerial career at Derby in this league twice recently with Newcastle um he's not very good at turning things around it you know once it goes sour it it doesn't really turn so I think I, th- I think they've just taken a gamble here and just thought, you know, we're not going down. We can try now to, to get somebody in and, and get the right man in for next season because if you leave it to the end of the season <laughs> and then decide not to not to keep him, then you're leaving yourself stretched for time. I think they're just, it's you know, forward planning from QPR and I'm, sh- I'm sure they know who they want to get in. I think they've had a lot of older bet, managers. Um, would like to see Warburton in that position, would you, Jake? I know you mentioned him a few times when before Lambert got the job at Ipswich. Is that something you think he could, you know, step into the QPR role and do a decent job? Yeah, I think he'd be a good good appointment. I think he did very well at Brentford. Um, Rangers is probably a bit too big of a club for him, but I think he'd be, I'd be I think he'd be a good appointment for QPR. Um, I think, but I think they've just gone for that, you know, that older type of manager. If you, um, quite a lot in in the past, you know, McLaren, uh, Holloway before that. I just think they need some someone a little bit fresh. Maybe, maybe not even Warburton, but I think, you know, Sherwood would be a bad appointment, but Darren Moore, I think, would be good. A young manager of good ideas, even if you're dropping down into League One. I think 
Bowie has done a, a very good job at, at Charlton. He'd be a, a good appointment. Um, there's there's a lot of good managers out there, and I think they they'd you know they they could do a lot worse than dropping down into those lower leagues and picking somebody with ambition. But then you know you look at what happened with Paul Hurst at Ipswich, and could QPR do that next season if they if they appoint the wrong man? They're they're in a very interesting position because they're one of the teams that could definitely go down next year. You know, so I I think they need to get this appointment right because they've been in that bottom half of the table, uh, in that bottom third for the last few years now. And I think they need to stop that decline and start to head in the opposite direction. Otherwise, they, they, they could, you know, find themselves in League One before too long. If You know, you'd see Ipswich are the perfect example. And I, th- I think QPR are a similar mould to what Ipswich were heading into this year. So they need to get this appointment right. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I completely agree with you, Jake, in terms of sort of freshening it up for them. I think in terms of McLaren going, you know, looking at their results, you know, recently they've won one in 15 and lost to second and third bottom in, in, you know, the last month or so. So I can understand from their point of view why they've done it. You know, quite a lot of the fans wanted him out and it was starting to turn a little bit sour there. So I can understand why they did it. And, you know, I saw, I can't remember the exact figure, but a stat on McLaren the other day and his win percentage since leaving Middlesbrough, um, you know, since he's been at England and various other jobs is quite poor, to be honest, um, for sort of a manager that carries his sort of reputation. So can understand, you know, from their point of view, why they've done it in terms of people coming in to replace him. He touched on dropping down into League One and just sort of looking at the betting odds for, for you know, who'd succeed him. Obviously, Tim Sherwood is, is you know, odds on favourite, but I, I wouldn't like to see them go for for him. But the one that I'd like to see him go for is Gareth Ainsworth at Wickham, you know, done fantastically well with them. And they've been sort of just hovering outside the playoffs in, in League One, you know, playing good, exciting football. And from my time living down there, they had quite a sort of good relationship with QPR, you know, Matty Ingram, the goalkeeper, going there and then coming back on loan to Wickham and several other examples of, of QPR loaning out players to, to Wickham to get them first-team football. So it's definitely a club that they have connections with and, you know, one that seems like a natural sort of step up for Gareth Ainsworth to, to move on from Wickham. You know, a young manager who's doing well with, with limited resources and deserves, you know, a sort of a shot at a, a so-called bigger club. So... In terms of who they'd go for, I think definitely, you know, looking to a younger manager potentially down in sort of the lower leagues is, you know, a, a good idea for them. They're one of these teams that have, you know, played it safe, you know, quite often. And similar to Ipswich, as you touched on, just 
not really going anywhere. They need sort of a, a fresh start and, and sort of a, a reset almost to see, you know, where they want to go as a club, what identity they want the football club to have. And I think, you know, Gareth Ainsworth provides them with that and, you know, been second favourite for the job at the moment. I think, you know, the murmurings around are that, you know, they are looking to that as well. So I wouldn't be too surprised if they did go down to the lower leagues as we've touched on. And I think he'd be, you know, an ideal candidate to, to go in there and, and freshen things up. Um, but moving on to our next topic, obviously the, the championship team of the season was announced uh, sort of the other day. Quite a few sort of surprise inclusions and quite a few surprising exclusions of people missing out. Um, obviously, I touched on Hernandez at Leeds earlier on as a player that I thought should get into that team in the season. Are there any that you two think, you know, first of all, don't deserve to be in there? Um, and then secondly, people that you think, you know, were a shoe in for it that have been overlooked? Definitely for me, yeah. As soon as I looked at it, there was, I picked out four players that I thought was a, a bit of a surprise that there was in there, to be honest. I mean, I, mean, I know first and foremost, you could literally pick about 30 players to be in this team. It's so difficult with the amount of teams and players in this league. Um, so you could make a case for a lot. However, um, first, I'm, I'm going to name Rhys James at Wigan. I was surprised to see him in central defence. Um, I'd have had Janssen in at Leeds. Um, also Randolph. I know he's probably a good shout, but I'd have argued that my Emper at Bristol City has been a great keeper this season. So he, he's one that I could have stepped in. In terms of agreeing with you, James, um, I had instead of uh, Phillips at Leeds, I would have gone for Hernandez like yourself or Grzycki in that position. Because like I've mentioned already, I'm a fan of him and I think um, he's had a he's had a fantastic season. And then the other player that I didn't agree with although he's had a very very good season was obviously uh, Shea Adams and, and in his place for me is is Tammy Abraham so they're the, they're the players that I'd have replaced and the, and the players that I'd have brought in but everyone else uh, Jamal Lewis, Liam Cooper uh, Aarons, Norwood Pookie, Bowen, Sharp I you know I, I can't disagree with it's just it's just those four that I mentioned um but I'd be interested to see if you've anyone else that you thought would be in there. Yeah, I think for me, obviously, the Hernandez one I touched on, I think, you know, looking down the league, as you said, I can make a case for, you know, a whole host of players who I've missed out. You know, obviously, Tammy Abraham, I think, should be in there with the goals he scored. Although, you know, when he does score, yeah. he, he tends to get sort of goals in patches. He scored sort of a lot of twos and threes in games this season and then not scored in others. But, you know, the sort of total figure counts. You know, Billy Sharp deserves to be in there up front and so too, so too Timo Pukki, who's been, in my opinion, the, the signing of the season this year. No one expected him to, you know, adapt as quickly as he has done after, you know, a, a couple of unsuccessful moves for him. But he's really sort of took off straight away and been one of the driving forces of Norwich, you know, going up. I think the Reese James one for me as well, like you said, Louis, um, a bit of a surprise in where they've put him, um, especially for a team like Wigan this season, who have struggled. They started the season well, but yeah. have really sort of faded off. I think there was, you know, another two or three defenders that I can think of to, to fit in at centre-back, uh, considering as well, Reese James has played the majority of his games at right-back and centre defensive midfield this season so it does seem weird to to put him in at centre back I think the two that stand out for me um, 
Janssen at Leeds, like you said, been fantastic again this season and, you know, one of the sort of standout stories for, for Leeds this season. Um, and selfishly as well, especially since the turn of the year, so I can see why he's not been included, you know, for the whole sort of way through the season is Ben Davis for for us at Preston, you know, in the last twelve games before the Reading game, we'd only conceded uh, seven goals, which, you know, for us is absolutely fantastic. I think second only to Norwich, I believe it was. Um obviously two of their defenders have made it in already, so I think that's fair with them. But yeah, Ben Davis has been absolutely fantastic at the back for us, attracting a lot of interest from bigger teams in the championship and also teams in the Premier League as well. So I think we'll be sort of struggling to keep hold of him in the summer, but, you know, really come in the season and, and matured into a player that not many Preston players, uh, fans, sorry, thought he would be, you know, spent the majority of last season out on loan at, at non-league clubs and has just come in this season and looked like a completely transformed player. Um, the sort of only other question mark for me, but, you know, he's been, sort of a shining light and a struggling team this season was Jared Bowen but you know for how good he's been this season in the whole side which you know find himself slap banging in the middle of the table at the moment you know sort of speak volumes of him as a player and I think you know people could make a case maybe sort of take him out and put Hernandez in just because of where Leeds are in the league and how well Hernandez has played but I think definitely Bowen without his contribution this season Hull would be nowhere near as high up the table as they are so I can see sort of the pros and or the positive and negatives of having him in the, the team of the season and uh, you know depending on who you ask what team you support you'd probably sort of make a case for or against him so no real complaints for that one. Um, obviously, they don't, but it would have been nice to to see them name, you know, a bench or something for those players like Hernandez, for example, who who have missed out sort of unfairly, in my opinion. Um, are there any for you, Jake, that we haven't mentioned, or do you agree with the the team sort of as a whole? I really don't like these sort of awards because you can make a case for a lot of people, and it just just becomes a just becomes a, an avenue for supporters to argue over who's best and. At the end of the day, that's it's the teams that do that, and not the individual players. <laughs> oh, I sound so old right now, but um, which <laughs> I think one player you haven't mentioned that probably should have been in contention uh, would be Jack O'Connell. I think he's been very good, and Sheffield United have won the best defense in the league. So if we're going on that, he should probably be in in there because if if Randolph is in there for for Middlesbrough's good defensive record, then you should probably have a player from, from Sheffield United's back four because they are much better because they've been, you know, a, a better back a better defensive setup than, than Norwich and Leeds who have players in there. Um mm-hmm. I think Bowen deserves to be in there. I think he's been very, very good and is good is definitely gonna be playing Premier League football next season. So he, he, he deserves his place. I think Shea Adams deserves a place as well because you know we didn't know at the time but his goals have probably got Birmingham to another season in the championship although they are you know four, five points off the the bottom bottom three now uh after their points deduction i think we'll, we'll look back and see that those goals kept them up uh, and have given them a chance to rebuild over the summer so i think he deserves his place um yeah i agree with a lot of what you said uh, i the only thing i would say on reese james is yeah he's playing for wigan but he, he's probably standout player for them every single week and that sort of consistency deserves to be picked up on and I'm sort of glad the Football League have picked up on it um, it's questionable that he's in centre-back because uh, he's not a centre-back as James said he's been playing it in midfield and at right-back but it, it's good to see that he has been picked out 
despite playing in a team struggling at the wrong end of the table because he has been excellent and, and again like Jared Bowen is, is going to be playing Premier League football next season even if it is doing the Callum Hudson-Odoi job on Chelsea's bench. Just to name a few more actually it's like I say you can make a case for loads but we've we've not mentioned many players at Norwich and, and with them being top of the league like you could make a case for obviously Buendia and Varancic and then there's also what's just sprung to mind is Shotton at Middlesbrough um, there's obviously Grealish, Lucas Jukovic at Birmingham, uh, Neil Mope at Brentford. Like you, you can go on forever, and I think you're right in that sense, Jake. That um, it does just cause for concern with with loads of fans just arguing between themselves, and um, we could be biased. And I could, you know, start naming Sheffield Wednesday players, but it's just um, it's so difficult to pick eleven players. And and James, I think's right in the fact that they probably should have had a bench of about seven as well, just to just to make a case for the odd couple what have probably unfairly missed out like Hernandez. Yeah, completely agree. Um, Jake touched on an interesting point there, which I wanted to touch on before we sort of head into match previews, uh, sort of round off this week's show, and that's the the Birmingham points deduction. Obviously, that dropped them out of playoff contention, um, sort of what slim chance they had left, sort of realistically, and has put them into a relegation battle, which, you know, nine-point deduction shows you just how tight the table has been this season. In terms of financial fair play, how do you two sort of view that? Do you think the points deduction was fair or do you think it was a bit harsh and they should have had that, say, from the start of next season rather than it being sort of applied halfway through sort of the current season? You know what? Rules are rules. And even though I don't essentially agree with FFP rules um, in terms of £39 million loss over three years is not a lot of money these days. Um, it's going to have to make teams comply. And we know that there's a couple of teams like your Aston Villas and your Sheffield Wednesdays who may see similar punishments next season. But it's, you know, Birmingham have, have obviously got the ball rolling with this. And I think although nine points may seem harsh, you know, that the drop from being about ninth in the league right down to 18th at the minute. Um, like I said at the beginning, rules are rules and you, you've, you've got to stick by them. And if, and if you are doing things untoward and, or maybe not even untoward, but in the case where Birmingham bought a player, obviously where they were in an embargo and, and, and there was uproar regarding that, then I guess it, it maybe is a, a fair punishment in that regards. Um, and it's it's going to be interesting to see what further punishment happens with with other teams from next year. And with you asking the question, should they have waited a a year um, and and had the punishment from the beginning of of next season? I, no, I don't agree with that. Actually, I think you know it's it's been like a four year process. Process obviously three years to record their losses and 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 give them to the the EFL, uh, and then obviously another eight to nine months they were in the embargo um, and then even further into the future they've, they've been given the nine point deduction so I think yes it is quite right that they did get it this season um, and Touchwood for Birmingham it will work out okay in the fact that they should stay up I mean I know they're only five points off the drop zone but I fully expect Birmingham to uh, avoid the drop and then Hopefully for them, they, they can kick on next season. But it's just, I believe, a warning for everybody in, in this division. We, we knew it was going to happen eventually, but it kind of proves that 
they're not messing about and at any given point in the season if you haven't complied then you can be hit with a serious obviously deduction I know they've from from this point not going to be in another embargo apparently so that'll work in their favour but it's just like I say a warning for everyone else yeah, I completely agree with you on the point you made there about Birmingham and obviously sort of moving into the match previews for the weekend now. One team that are struggling financially as well is Bolton Wanderers. The first game I've got listed down on match previews may actually you know, be postponed if sort of the reports are to be believed over the last sort of 24 hours prior to recording this, which is the Bolton and Ipswich game. So obviously take this preview for this game with a you know a pinch of salt. But if the game is to go ahead, how do you guys sort of see the game going? Do you think Bolton can build on that QPR victory? Or do you think Ipswich can, you know, try and sort of save face a little bit between now and the end of the season? Yeah, I think it's going to I think it's going to be a Bolton win. I know there's a lot of stuff going on off the scenes with, with finances and the owner and, and players not being paid and you know a lot of questionable statements coming out from the boardroom but I think Phil, Phil Parkinson is a very good manager I think he he did it perform miracles to them to, to keep them up last year I think if he did it again it would be absolutely incredible given the circumstances um probably not going to happen but I think he's going to give it a real good go and I think this is a game that you know they they'll be looking at as a as a must win uh, and I think they're going to they are going to win it. I think you know, the QPR game would have given them a lot of confidence. They've won two in their last four now, so they've got a little bit of form, and it's reminiscent of the form they showed at this point in the season last year. So, I think yeah, they're going to. I think they're going to win uh, and, and move one step closer to to maybe getting out of those bottom three, despite the the absolute car crash that's going off on off the field. Yeah, Bolton are doing well at the minute, actually. Like you said, a couple of wins um, this last month. Um, I still do think they'll go down. I don't think they can claw back the the five, six points that they need from now till the end of the season. But this game is a lifeline because if they've got to win any game, it's it's got to be this one. So if you ask for a prediction, um, I'm going to say it's going to be postponed, actually, if I was to predict. I reckon this game might be called off, like you said, James. But in terms of a score, if it was to go ahead, I agree with Jake, actually. I think Bolton will probably win this one, and I'm going to go 2-1. Yeah, I agree with you too. I think Bolton will just shade it. The only question mark for me would be the fact that, you know, the players haven't trained for the last few days, so maybe a bit of um, sort of rustiness on field with, with that. But, you know, I fully expect Bolton to to build on that QPR win. Um, I think, you know, squads-wise, the teams that are at the bottom at the moment, they've got a little bit about them compared to certain other teams. So, I expect them to to get the win. And yeah, if I was to go for a score for this one, I'd go for 2-1, same as you, Louie. Moving into the next game then that we've got on the the predictions, uh, one that, you know, I'm not as excited for now as I was before the the Reading game last weekend, and that's Preston against Sheffield United. Obviously, both of those teams, these teams coming into the game on the back of a defeat, Last weekend, Preston away at Reading, as we touched on, and Sheffield United at home to, to Bristol City. How do you two, first of all, see the game going? I'll sort of get into my own thoughts on it in a second, but it'd be interesting to get your two sort of opinions as, as two neutrals. Yeah, this is going to be a huge game um, for both teams. I think they both really need to win it. Um, Sheffield United, if they are to to keep pace, with Leeds and even have a chance to catch in Norwich, although that looks unlikely now. They're going to have to go and win. Leeds have got a, a very winnable game away to Birmingham. 
So, you know, you'd think that, that she was going to go here and win, but Preston it is a difficult place to go and, and they've you know, they've beat Norwich there early in the season. Uh, a lot of teams have struggled going to Deepdale. Uh, and I always think that it's it's when Preston at home that that for me they're always favourites. So I I don't know why that is probably because I thought they were gonna get in the playoffs. But yeah, I think they I think Preston are gonna win. I think Sheffield United you know, it it can be difficult to bounce back. You know, after winning so many games in a row to, after that first loss, it, it, it tells you a lot about the team, about how they follow that up. And they probably couldn't have picked many worse games, to be honest. Um, you know, Preston have also got that that losing feeling as well at the moment. But I think going back home, I think it's, it's going to help them. See, I'm going to go for a home win, but I don't think it's going to be a, a great game. I could see it being a 1-0 maybe. I think quite the opposite. I think this will be a really good game, actually, because I think... Um... Well, both sides need the victory. Sheffield United probably just a bit more than Preston. Uh, but Preston have obviously got hopes of playoffs still. Um, and Preston being at home and Sheffield United away, that makes both sides quite evenly matched in my eyes. Preston a decent at home, as you've mentioned, Jake, and, and Sheffield United are very well drilled away as well. And, and for that reason, I think there's going to be quite a few goals. So I'm going to sit on the fence in terms of a score prediction, but I'm going to go for 2-2. Yeah, I, I'm i a little bit sort of 50-50 with this game. I think, obviously, I saw how bad we were at Reading, one of our worst performances of the season. So depending on what side turns up, you know, you're going to get two different games. I think if the side turns up that played at Reading, I expect Sheffield Wednesday to come and, you know, quite comfortably beat us. But hopefully that is a wake-up call for us. As I said, you know, we were going into that running game, six unbeaten on the road, 12 unbeaten overall. So I think a bit of complacency set in, seeing, you know, where Reading were in the table and seeing that a win could have took us into the playoffs. I think we took the game a little bit lightly. So I fully expect us to be back on it this weekend. The only sort of question mark now for me is is injuries. Brandon Barker came on for 10 minutes at Reading, you know, was absolutely fantastic and, and went off with a, a muscle injury. And I think that's three times now this season he's come on at half time and gone off in the second half with sort of a muscle injury. So questions need to be asked of him. Is he warming up properly, for example? Alan Brown's still a doubt. And, you know, there's a couple of other players that look like they were struggling towards the end of the Reading game. So, you know, if we can get a couple of bodies back put in a performance like I know we can that Middlesbrough win the other week for example you know summed up how we've been this season if we can sort of perform like that I expect us to give Sheffield United a really good game and yeah as you said Jake at the moment with the way we're playing at home and you know the points we're picking up home games I expect us for the first time in quite a few years going into each game as as favourites so you know, if we do turn up, I think we can nick it, but it'll be, you know, a really difficult game and I think has the potential to be game of the weekend. Um, but moving into the last game that I want to preview just before we wrap up, and I'll come to you first on this, Louis. Obviously, Sheffield United been in great form. You know, I didn't realise just how much he'd climbed up the table until I looked at it last weekend. You know, not too far outside the playoffs now and playing Aston Villa at at Hillsborough, a team that are fighting for the playoffs as well. So a win there would go a long way for you catching up uh, sort of with that playoff pack. How would you see the game going, first of all? Do you expect that you can carry on sort of the, the good momentum built up in recent weeks? You know what? This is so difficult to call. Uh, like you said, Sheffield Wednesday unbeaten in 12. Uh, Bruce is still undefeated as Wednesday manager, which just seems crazy. Uh, we've certainly climbed the pack. 
and Bruce is facing his former club. So I expect a very good atmosphere at Hillsborough as well. And this really could go either way. And as we know, Villa are on a great run of form as well. Um, one of the best in the league with Norwich. They've won five in a row. So like I say, it's really difficult to call. Wednesday, um, for me, this is the must-win game. If they've got to have a lifeline for the playoffs, we've got a hell of a lot of hard fixtures to come. But if we can beat Villa... Um, that would obviously push us on to just one point behind them. And I think it would give us some forward momentum. Having said that, I know it's going to be such a difficult game. Um, it's kind of a make-or-break fixture for us in, in many ways. I think if if we draw or lose on Saturday, then our playoff hopes have, have vanished. They're, they're slim at the minute, but if with a, with a win over Villa, like I say, then, then there is an opportunity. However... Um, with the players that Villa have got, they're, they're in fine form, as I've already mentioned, the like of Abraham, Grealish, etc. Coming good at the right time for them, who was sat fifth. I, if I had to predict one, even though, like I say, it's going to be so tough to call, I'm, I'm going to say 1-1. Um, I'm always, I always fancy Wednesday at home, but against Villa, who've, who've got, like I say, some momentum at the minute, and for me, probably going to be one of the favourites in the playoffs. I really think they will finish in the playoffs and I can see them getting to Wembley again as well. Um, for that reason, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit and say 1-1, but it is a vital game for both teams and, and, and Wednesday really do need to win if there's any chance of finishing fifth or sixth. I am going to surprise you all and say I think Sheffield Wednesday are going to win and purely because Steve Bruce going against his former club and beating them to sort of stop their run of great form and, and perhaps knocking them out of the playoffs in the process for so many teams on, you know, 59, 58 points, you know, they could, uh, a loss could see them drop out of the playoffs. I think that's the type of thing that happens in the championship. So for no, no scientific reason or anything like that, just because these things happen, I'm going to say Sheffield Wednesday to win. I love you, Jake. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be that Jake is, is, you know, talking up both our teams. Obviously, he said he put money on Preston, and now he's uh, he's he's talking up Sheffield Wednesday. So, I strangely agree with Jake. Actually, Louis, I think that you will beat Aston Villa this weekend. I think you know Steve Bruce playing against his former club, and the fact that you know, as you touched on, he is still unbeaten as Sheffield Wednesday manager. I think, you know, there's always a team that put a run together towards the end of the season and, you know, really sort of ask questions of that, that playoff pack. So, you know, I think you'll have a sort of a good a chance as anyone this year and I fully expect that game between us towards the end of the season to be sort of quite decisive in that playoff race. So I think you're going to nick it. I think um, both teams will score in the game. I think Villa's sort of firepower up front, um, which is just reminding me one player that I sort of didn't touch on for player. Uh, team of the season early and that's John McGinn who's been fantastic for them especially yeah, since yeah, the turn yes. of the year um yeah I expect it to be an exciting game and I think you will just nick it um so I'm going to go with 2-1 score wise for that um but with that for this week's episode we're out of time if you two want to let everyone know where they can find you and any projects you're involved in you know now would be a good time yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my name is Louis Shackshaft at Louis Shackshaft online, uh, football writer, blogger. And, uh, yeah, just regular appearances on this podcast. Yeah, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, you can get me on Twitter, at JackJack with two ends as ever, where I'll post about anything I do, which isn't a lot at the moment. But, yeah, check, uh, give me a follow. 
Yeah, and you can reach us on our show's Twitter handle, which is at Championship Pod, where each episode is our pinned tweet. So definitely give us a follow throughout the week as well. There's plenty of stuff to get involved in as well. So, you know, check out the page, give us a follow, and you won't miss an episode. And you can follow me on my personal Twitter handle, which is at underscore James Vickers, where I tweet mainly about Preston North End and a bit of German football as well. So cheers for joining me today, guys. It's been a pleasure to have you both on and, uh, you know, been back hosting as well. Um, And we'll see you next week. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.